So like Kyle's mother, my mother came from a really large family as well with five siblings. And after they all left the home, they dispersed throughout the country, but it was important for them at least once a year to go back to their tiny little hometown in Middle Tennessee, of which none of you have probably ever heard of, called Hartsville. It had one stoplight, it had a Piggly Wiggly, and it was a big deal when they got a Sonic. And so when everybody would come back, it would be the week after Christmas. And honestly, my father rarely was able to come as a surgeon that week after Christmas and before the end of the year is when everybody's trying to get their last minute surgeries in. And so there were 28 to 30 of us every night at dinner. And what the only positive thing about my dad not being there was that there was one extra seat at the adult table. My grandparents would choose one of the older grandchildren to sit there each night, and it was a prized position because whoever that grandchild was, they got to sit right next to granddaddy. And you see, my granddaddy, he was like, he was like a famous person to us. He was the town doctor of this tiny little town for 40 years. And so when we came to town, everybody knew us. My grandfather had talked about us. If we went into town to the soda fountain, it was like we were with a celebrity. And so to get to sit next to my granddaddy at the dinner table, and he would focus the entire meal just on me. He would tell stories about his children, and he would point to them down the table, and then he would make sure that I was included. He, he would tell maybe a joke that maybe might have been a little bit inappropriate, and then everybody would laugh, and he would lean his head back, and he would cackle this just contagious laughter. He, he wasn't supposed to have a lot of sweets, but then he would always be sneaking the grandchildren little whorehound and cinnamon and butterscotch candies with this darling wink and a smile. But then the next night, I would have to go back to one of the kids' tables. It was never as meaningful. We were just trying to get through the dinner, to get to dessert, to get back outside to catch more fireflies. It just, it wasn't as meaningful. And I wonder, in your lives, do you have an adult table at your celebrations? Do you have a kids' table? I think that if the disciples were in charge of our meals, they would never have let kids at the table. But Jesus has a very, very different opinion of children and adults gathering together. So before we read our scripture, will you join with me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, still our busy bodies. Help us find solace in this quiet space. God, help us to leave all of our to-dos, all of our to-don'ts, all of that just at your feet so that in these moments we are before an audience of one, you, God. And I pray that these ancient words of Jesus, your son, that they would offer us something new today, new perspective, new challenge, new insights. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Then, this is from the Gospel of Matthew. Then little children 
were being brought to Jesus in order that Jesus would lay hands on them and pray for them. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And then he laid his hands on them and went on his way. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Three weeks ago, we began our new sermon series, Gather. And the reason we're doing this is that for some reason, you all have decided you're going to go against the cultural trend that says you can be spiritual but not religious. And so we have decided, actually, no, we're going to live out this faith thing in the context of a community, a local church. And so I want to make sure that each of us is able to articulate, is able to put to words the why. Why have we chosen Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. And so our first week, we looked at the primal thing we do as believers, and that is that we gather to worship. And the second thing we talked about, we don't just gather to worship an amazing choir or a youth orchestra. No, but we gather because we are centered in Scripture and this holy text. And then last week, Stacy did this amazing job of helping us to realize we don't just gather to stay the same but we gather to let God transform us. We gather to grow. But today, today we're gonna talk about something that is honestly unique to our local church. It really sets us apart in our city, in our country, and that is that we gather with all generations welcome. I don't know what your home church was when you were growing up, but I know in my home church, Right before the sermon, the children came forward, just like we do here. They had a a cool family pastor, just like we do here. And then that pastor would politely take us out. And we went to children's church for the rest of the hour. You know, we weren't welcome to stay. We, it was for adults. It was, it was a place where it was just the adults' table, and the kids had to go to a space where they could then have children's church. So I want you to know the reasons why. Why are we doing it in this kind of maybe chaotic way at Westlake Hills Prez? Well, the first reason is pretty simple. Jesus told us to. Jesus told us that we are supposed to welcome the little children. So in our passage... Jesus has been teaching in the countryside of Judea, and we find him, in this point, he's just outside the city of Jericho. And as you can imagine, people have started to accumulate, and there's more and more people because they have heard about this healer. They have heard that there is a man who is giving sight to the blind. Now imagine with me that you are a parent of a child in first century You live off of the earth, you are most likely a subsistence farmer. You do not have the ability to read. You know that it is not a high possibility for all of your children to grow up and be healthy because we know for a fact that in the Roman Empire, one in three babies did not survive. 
And so you've heard that there's this, this man coming who even heals children. And you heard this story about this young child who had seizures and would fall on the ground and foam at the mouth, and Jesus healed that young child. And so just imagine with me what you would do to get your children just a little bit more protection, a little bit more safety. And so I picture moms and dads, and they are scrambling. They heard this guy is coming to town, and I picture like a dad, he's got a baby on a hip, a toddler is grabbing at his pants, there's like a six-year-old in front complaining that they have to leave because their little sister just touched them in the wrong way, and then they get before Jesus, and they fall down exasperated, and they just say, Lord, help me. Were any of you there today, this morning, or do you remember being there? And then in that moment, though, what would it do to you if one of the adults says, I'm sorry, Jesus is not here for the children. Jesus is just concerned about the adults. I think at that point, if an adult said that to one of you, I pray that Jesus would step in and said, actually, let the little children come to me. It is the ones who act like them that I want. That's, this is the attitude I want in the kingdom of heaven. He says, these are the ones that are welcome at my feet, the ones that whine, the ones that fidget about, the ones that have to get up a few times during worship to use the restroom, the ones that don't seem to sit still and are supposed to be quiet. Let those little children come to me. For it is to people like them that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Because people like them, they don't care if they only have one pair of shoes that don't match all their outfits. People like them believe you when you say, there are no monsters under the bed. People like them say, mama, slow down and take five deep breaths when they can tell I'm stressed because I told them to take five deep breaths when they were scared. People like, like them that make you feel as their aunt or uncle, like you are way cooler than you really are in real life. These are the ones that we are supposed to be like. And I want you to know at WHPC, we gather together with all of our generations because Jesus told us to. But the second thing that we have that's, that's another real backbone for us is that the research tells us to as well. So two authors, Kara Powell and Chap Clark, they wrote this book I highly recommend to you all. It's called Sticky Faith. And they did 10 years of research because they just didn't understand why so many folks, so many students who had had a faith in high school left home and then they lost it. And Kara tells, I want you to picture your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. I want you to picture like 20 of them in front of you. And then I want you to count them off. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. The ones, they keep the faith. And all those twos never darken the door again of a church. And Kara and Chap are like, we're not okay with that statistic. And I want you to know that your staff and your session are not okay with that statistic. And so they did this research trying to figure out, you know, is there like a, a formula? Is there something we can do to help make faith stick? So Kara tells us that unfortunately there's not a magic pill. There's not one thing that we can do or that you can do as a parent or grandparent to make sure that your kid's faith 
stick, but there are two things that are really, really helpful. And you're not going to believe what the most important factor that they determined was. The most in fact, important factor was not that they had a really hip and cool youth ministry. The most important factor was not that they had a really cool and hip pastor, that they had a great orchestra, that they had a children's choir. The most important factor was that those children worshipped with their larger church family. So if you've ever wondered, gosh, why does this church allow for so many kids? Why do we spend a good portion of our service each week doing a faith sharing is because we want children to feel welcome here. If you are a parent who struggles because your kid needs to get up to go to the bathroom, I want to tell you as a hyperactive child that that was the only way I could sit through that hour was if I had one break. And that's okay. We gather as all the generations together because Jesus tells us to and because the research tells us this is what helps make faith stick. The best way for faith to stick, the second best way, the second thing that helps it most is that we need to be passing the faith to the generations behind us. And the psalm that Marvin and Rex read, it talks about it like this. It says, our older folks, they need to be sharing with our younger folks their stories of life and faith. Every week on Sundays and on Wednesdays, we have dozens of you Dozens of adults that have committed to be in relationship with these children and youth. And I don't know if you know this, but we are going for a five to one ratio here. That does not mean that for every five children, we want one adult. It's actually quite the opposite. We want every child and every student to have five adults. The research shows us that the second thing that can help make faith stick is for children to have close relationships with adults in their congregation besides their parents. And this, this slaps me in the face. What children and youth, am I one of their five? I mean, they might know me as the pastor up here, but do I know them? And I want to ask you the same. Are you one of the five for any of our children and youth? And I want to ask parents in here, do you work on making sure that your children have their five? Let the little children come to me. We gather with all generations because Jesus tells us to. We gather with all generations because the research tells us this is what makes faith stick and we do this, y'all, because we believe that actually a relationship with Jesus is something worth passing on. And so this relationship with Jesus thing tells us that your age does not determine your worth. And this is where the disciples got it wrong. The parents are bringing these children to his feet and they rebuke the parents. They shame them. This is not for you. And Jesus steps in and says, no. It is exactly the people like this. It is those who come with all of those questions. Why, mommy? Why, daddy? Why, why, why? It is the ones that come innocently with childlike faith. It is the ones who come with a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge, a lack of resources. But to the disciples, these children were of no value, no intrinsic value because they couldn't contribute. Well, here we say, regardless of your age, 
you can contribute to this community of faith. One of the amazing things that our middle school ministry does, if you've ever wondered the name of our middle school ministry, it's called JAM. I just recently found out what that meant. Jesus and me. Did it? Raise your hands if you didn't know what that meant. That's what I thought. Okay. So one of the amazing things they do is during the summers, they partner with a ministry of this church called The Gathering. Now for 18 years, people have been getting together every week to be respite care for our friends with Alzheimer's. And so during the summers, these youth go down and they dance with the participants. They sit with them, they have conversations with them. They're just in relationship with these folks downstairs. I love them trying to get down and boogie. <laughs> so one, one Wednesday this summer, just being honest to my children who are gonna hear this, I went and looked in on it because I wanted to see how they were doing. <laughs> kind of, you know, enough said. And I walked down there, and I'm just like peering in, and, and there is Elijah, my youngest, and he is sitting at this table. And on either side of him are participants from the gathering. And around him are other volunteers, and some staff, and they're playing bingo. And Elijah has his card and then the other two cards of the participants next to him. And he's kind of having to help all the, the people around him. And then the volunteers are, are sharing stories about those men with Elijah. And, you know, it doesn't have to be only once a year that we go back and visit my family that Elijah gets to be at a table like that. So much wisdom so many stories, so much life happening right here. May it be so in my life and in yours. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us, God, with people in their 90s and little babies in the very same place. This is your kingdom. This is your kingdom, God. Help us to learn from each other. Help us to seek out those that are younger and those that are older so that we might know the stories of faith and life. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.